Welcome to Church on the Rock. We are so glad that you're here worshiping with us this morning. I have a scripture that I'd like to share with you. It is from Psalm 63, verse 2 through 3. It says, So I have gazed upon you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory, because your loving kindness is better than life. What a reminder of what kind of God we serve. Even in the midst of the turmoil of things, the way our nation is, the things that we struggle with in our daily lives, God is bigger and better than that. Thank you, Jesus. Please press in and worship with us. Thank you.
He's worthy, amen. Oh, we bless your name. Lord, we're thankful for your love. And how deep the Father's love for us. And how vast beyond all measure. That he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. And I can read the pain of searing loss. The father turned his face away. His wounds which chosen one bring me his arms to glory Lord we thank you for the price that was paid Lord we bless your name God
Somebody give him some praise. What an awesome God we serve, amen. And we always take a moment in service to have a time of ministry for prayer. And, and, and whatever you have need of prayer for this morning, hey, our prayer team's going to make their way to the front in a moment, and they'll be happy to pray with you. But before we do that, as I was thinking through and kind of going through, you know, what I was going to talk about and meditating on that, I, I felt like I, God had kind of spoke to my heart about people that are in a point that they're about to make a decision. They need to make a decision. But, you know, a lot of pressure comes with making those decisions, right? Anybody ever had pressure when you feel like there's a decision to be made? And, you know, we can listen to the advice of the world, and the world has their answers for the way things should go. But, you know, God has his answer for the way things should go. Amen. And I want to follow his ways. In James chapter 3 and verse 7, the Bible says this in chapter uh, 3 and verse 7, and it's talking about wisdom here. It says, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And the word that stuck out with me in that is that peaceable portion. You know, whenever we make a decision, you know, and you're, you're not sure and you have those knots in your stomach and all that, you're trying to make that decision. I want to go for the peace. Amen? When I make a decision, that peace that the Word of God declares that passes all understanding. So if you're in this place this morning and you're at that point, you need to make a decision. You need somebody to agree with you in prayer. Hey, prayer team, go ahead and make your way to the front this morning, and they'll be happy to pray with you that. And if it's not that, they'll be happy to pray with you about anything this morning.
Bless you, Jesus. That go ahead. That's it. Go ahead. Give him some praise. He's worthy. We bless you, Lord. Lord, all our hope is in you. Oh, we bless you, Lord. Watching and waiting, oh Lord, 
thanks and praise. But Lord, we lift up our song of worship and declare the greatness of the King of kings and the Lord most high. What a Savior you are, Lord. Oh, what a Think about that. Who is like our God? Amen. Come on, somebody give him some praise in this house this morning. He's worthy. Amen. We thank you for the victory, Lord. Why don't you greet your neighbor this morning? Tell him how happy you are to see him in God's house. Death could not hold you. You are victorious.
welcome to Church on the Rock. We are so glad you're here worshiping with us today. Back of the chair in front of you, we have a lot of information about our church. Our inside look lets you know everything about who we are and what we believe in. Our ministry guide gives you plenty of ways to get connected through classes, small groups, and outreach opportunities. If you're a first-time guest, please fill out the white card in the seat back in front of you, drop in the offering, or you can bring it across the hall to the Connect Room where you'll receive a free gift bag. And don't forget about our coffee bar and snacks between Sunday services in the Connect Cafe. We are so glad you're here, and we hope you know there is always a place for you. Here's what's happening at Church on the Rock. Our annual Thanksgiving meal and service is on Tuesday, November 22nd. The meal begins at 5.15 and the price is $5 per person, $3 per child, with a maximum of $20 per family. You must RSVP today in the foyer. The Church on the Rock Women's Conference, It Changes Everything, is March 2nd through the 4th at Pine Cove Retreat in Tyler, Texas. Sign up in the foyer today. Bring your used coats, sweaters, sweatshirts, hoodies in good condition for those in need during the cold winter months. Baskets are in the foyer. There will be a Mexico Mission Trip Interest Meeting December 4th at 9 a.m. upstairs in Kids Zone. The trip is on January 20th. Pick up a child off the angel tree to provide Christmas for children from our church in need. There once was a very strong woodcutter who got a job with a timber merchant. His boss gave him an axe and showed him the area where he was supposed to work. The first day, the woodcutter brought down 18 trees. Congratulations, the boss said. You are our best woodcutter yet. Very motivated, the woodcutter tried harder the next day, but he could only bring down 15 trees. The third day, he tried even harder, but could only bring down 10. Day after day, he was bringing less and less trees. I must be losing my strength, the woodcutter thought. He went to the boss and apologized, saying that he couldn't understand what was going on. When was the last time you sharpened your axe, the boss asked. Sharpen? I had no time to sharpen my axe. I've been too busy trying to cut more trees for you. Amen. Good to see everybody here. Everybody doing good? Amen. Nice and cool this morning. Feeling good out there? I do want to welcome you to Church on the Rock. A couple things to remember. This week, we don't have our Wednesday night midweek service. We move it to Tuesday. And so Tuesday night, we'll have a special service. Uh, we'll have communion. We'll have some testimonies. It'll just be It's always a really neat service on Tuesday night, uh, right before Thanksgiving. But we also have a meal, a Thanksgiving meal. That'll be a real family-type meal, good meal. But you need to sign up for that. So sign up in the foyer or call the church before tomorrow noon and be a part of that meal. The other thing you saw, the men's retreat is coming up. It's in January. I mean, this is a big-time event at a at a campgrounds. It's really nice. And so be sure to sign up. We've got to have the money in in a few weeks. So sign up in the foyer or just call the church and we'll tell you more about that. We're continuing to worship the Lord with our tithes and offerings. And I'm going to read a letter from some pastors in Nepal. 
uh, Don and Phoebe that we send some money to help them build a worship center. There should be pictures up on the back wall. It says, my wife and I are still in far western part of Nepal. Our training for the pastors is going well. It will be over November 19th. We'll be back home for a week. Please pray for our children at home. Thank you so much, Pastor John, for your meaningful financial support and prayer to build a wonderful worship house in this area. Finally, by the grace of God, everything went well. The house is completed. We dedicated the house to God's glory. The congregation is very glad to have a place of worship. They sent you heartfelt greetings and love from their place, and I've attached some photos. The floor is very cold, so they need to put in a warmer carpet. I guess that's our next goal. Now, the worship house has become a center of prayer, healing, and evangelism. Any cast or group of people can come for prayer there. There are already many new converts. Thank you so much. Again, dot, 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 exclamation point. Thank you, thank you. And so that was your giving. So first of all, I thank God for a church that understands the tithe, that you bring the 10% to the Lord, and God will bless the rest of it. And we give that tithe and that offerings. Not only do we have a, a great facility here, our children have great ministry going on right now. Our youth just got back from right now from a, uh, a camp they went to in the powerhouse building. But beyond that and affecting our city, man, we get to touch people all over the world. In Nepal, there are, they're being persecuted. They had the earthquake, and we were able to help just to build a small house of worship, but they're so grateful. So what do you say we give God glory for that one? That's a good one. Amen? Well, God bless you as you give this morning. This old things have passed away. Your love has stayed the same. Your constant grace remains the cornerstone. The things that we thought were dead are breathing in life again. You cause your sun to shine on darkest nights. Let's all stand as we worship some more. songs I'm grateful for my heritage but it was mostly singing about God a song like this though is a worship song that we sing to God I mean know oh, God is not just the man upstairs he's not just someone that we want to get information about when we come to church but he's our Heavenly Father and worship is an appropriate response and I would just encourage you as we sing this very simple song again Let's just close our eyes and let it be an act of prayerful worship and say, Jesus, we love you. Come on, let's just sing it to him again. 
Jesus, we love you. We love you. Because Jesus, we love you. We love you. Oh, how we love you. You are the say thank you Lord for loving us uh, we do our best to love you in return but it all started when you loved us and Lord I just want to say thank you today that you began loving me before I even knew you existed before I was even born and Lord you reached out to me in the dark part of my life and you've never turned your back on me I'm thankful today that I don't have to live with the weight of my sin I don't have to live with guilt and shame but a good God cares about me. Though my world may be troubled, though there may be evil all around me, you're a good, good Father. We just want to say today that we love you. Come on, just say it one more time. Lord, I love you. And I want to learn to love you more. Not just as a feeling, but with deliberateness in my life. Lord, might you come to all of us today. We all stand before you with such a variety of need. Some of us, God, have pressure in our life, and it's hard to know which way to turn, but you're here for us as our peace. Some of us have received a bad report, and God, we're looking to you to help us. Some of us, Lord, if we're honest, our hearts are hard, and there's a callousness in our life. And what we desperately need is a, an awakening in our hearts for you. Everybody said? Hey, praise the Lord. Give the Lord a good hand this morning. He is worthy of our praise. And tell your neighbor, I'm glad you're here today. The county sheriff's department was out looking for people. And when they spotted a subject, they went after him in a sting operation, the likes of which this country has never seen. Hello, ma'am. Your vehicle was targeted. What do you mean? Oh, my gosh. Okay. What made this operation especially unusual was the man behind it. Good morning. A fellow in a red hat known to these men only as Secret Santa. We got a mission today to go out and do random acts of kindness. Every year, this anonymous, wealthy businessman gives out about $100,000 worth of $100 bills to random strangers. But, but this year, instead of doing it all himself, he deputized these deputies to give away much of it. Okay, let's start with 1,000. And so, armed to the teeth with Benjamins, the officers went out to do Santa's bidding. On a red and color Chevy Cavalier. They specifically went after people they thought would appreciate it most. Cars driving while dented or out on Bondo were likely targets. Merry Christmas. You're kidding. See that? Yes. Oh, 
Most people weren't just blown away. Most people were brought to tears. Did that make your day better? Their reactions, a combination of really needing the money. Are you serious right now? And being caught so off guard. Hello. He just looked straight at me and turned around and pulled me over with no car. Hold on. How you doing, ma'am? I'm good until you pulled me over. Okay. Well, on behalf of Secret Santa, he wants you to have this. Okay? Jessica Rodriguez, a mother of three, told the deputy he saved her Christmas. <laughs> I wasn't going to be able to get the kids anything. Well, I hope you maybe get your kids something with as always, moments like that are the main mission here. All right, you have a good holiday season. But this year, Secret okay. Santa also had a secret agenda. What do you want the officers to get out of this? Joy. You know, as tough as they are, they have hearts that are bigger than the world. Let's face it, it hasn't been a good year for law enforcement. Copy, thank you. But for the vast majority of decent officers who will never make headlines, Secret Santa offered this gift. Appreciate it, man. Did that help out? A chance to be the bearer of good news for a change. Congratulations. A chance to really help the homeless, to thank the law abiders, to see hands up in celebration, and then be assaulted in the best possible way. There were a lot of hugs. Our body cameras took a real beating, but it was worth it just to see people trust again and to see cops You're welcome. surrender. You have a good holiday. Steve Hartman. Well, praise the Lord. I am ready for the police department around here to do that. What do you think? Maybe we could get on their list. Well, what you just saw was the power of love demonstrated through an act of kindness. He had a lot of money where he could distribute, but how many know it doesn't take any money at all to be kind? In a world where so many fists are raised in rage, how many know a smile, can a soft answer can turn away wrath? Uh, kindness is simply sharing with whatever we have with people in need. And friends, I suggest to you today, it is the solution what America needs to heal the hatred that's going on in our world today. Kindness is a hallmark of mature Christians. I used for my text this morning, Galatians chapter 5. He contrasts the chapter with what he calls the works or the fruit of the flesh with, of the Spirit. When I'm in control of my life in sin and evil versus when God's in control. And here's what he says about the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit, imagine a tree, an apple tree laden with apples. Well, how many know we, like a tree as Christians, we're to have character that adorns our life. And here's what the Holy Spirit will produce in us. If we yield our life to Him and walk with Him, number one, that's love, love for God and people, joy in our heart in spite of our circumstances, peace that passes understanding, patience with knuckleheads, and what's the next word? Come on, say it again. Kindness. Kindness, goodness in a world filled with, with bad, faithfulness to, to God and our word and our families and our commitments, gentleness as opposed to being rough and tough and arrogant, self-control. And this is godly character that the Lord wants to develop in us. And during the holiday season, we're going to be sharing a series of messages about the power of love. And my hope is that you would join me in a very tangible and deliberate way that we would demonstrate the love of God in a hate-filled world. But this morning, and actually next week, one of our elders, uh, Wally, is going to be speaking. Wally, why don't you stand up over there wave at everybody. Wally's going to be preaching this weekend about 
reconciliation, specifically racial reconciliation. But this morning I'm talking about a conspiracy of kindness. And I suggest to you that it is kindness that's the antidote for a world and people that are filled with hate. I mean, if you get bit by a snake, I mean, no, you need to get to the hospital and get some antivenom. You need to get medicine that will counteract, that will stop the intrusion of this venom in your body. And well, how many know kindness can stop hatred in a mob? Kindness can stop hatred around the Thanksgiving table. Come on now. Kindness can stop hatred in the classroom. It can stop hatred on the ball field. Kindness is what America needs today, and that's what I want to focus on. And if I could kind of contextualize the message, I want to show you a couple of pictures about what I call hatred in post-election America. We've just elected a president, but as soon as that happened, a lot of hatred uh, on the streets of America. Here's a young man, uh, saw his picture, and he said he was shot uh, by, simply because he told someone he was telling a joke that he voted for Trump. Uh, now, this is interesting. This, uh, this is happening across America. There are whole high schools where students, at the encouragement of their teachers, are doing protest marches. And uh, they're doing this oftentimes in school hours. But notice they're holding Mrs. Clinton's uh, campaign signs, Love Trump's Hate. But here's the hypocrisy. One of the 15-year-old kids that was there said he liked Trump, and one of the students beat him up. Now think about that. We're holding a sign that says, love trumps hate, love wins, and somebody disagrees with us, so we smack them upside the head. That's hate in action. Keep, keep going. Uh, here's a guy just going to college, didn't know the people, uh, simply had a Trump pent sticker on his car. And again, this is not a pro-Trump message. This is simply a, a opening the window in our culture to see what's going on around us. Nobody knew him. Nobody knew that he was a racist, but they assumed that he was because of an affiliation that he had. Uh, he just went to school that day, and that's what happened to his car. That's rooted in hatred, friends. Look at another one. Uh, I'm sure some mother's proud of her young protester there with the bat banging somebody's car that he doesn't even know. I mean, no, we live, our Bill of Rights guarantees us the right of redress for our government, which simply means that if we disagree with something that's going on in our government, we've got the right to protest or sign petitions or, or, or whatever the case may be. But that never is includes violence. Come on now. I mean, no, violence is, is the opposite, the antithesis of the Christian message. But it's, it's practiced in our culture today. If you hold a, a particular uh, uh, ideology, for example, if you're a Muslim, a radical Islamist in particular, violence is a means to accomplish your goals. And in the same thing here, it's a tragedy, and it's a tragedy that's not being stopped. Uh, how many know racism goes both ways? This is particularly racist. Most people that say you're racist are doing racist things. It's not. The word, the word implies a hatred. It's just kind of a, a word that's misused and misunderstood. But this is hatred now. Make America white again with a swastika in the middle. How many know there's a problem in America? One last one. Um, kill your local Trump supporter. Where does this come from? This is hatred in America. This is what I want to talk about. It's interesting. Uh, hatred, by definition, means extreme dislike. It is to act extremely hostile. And people hate because they're offended or they're injured or they're controlled by jealousy. Others hate simply because they're angry or, here's one, they're manipulated by other people. Now, this is something that we need to be aware of. There was a, a post by LifeNews.com, and they simply took a picture of a Craigslist uh, ad, an employment ad in a major city. And the ad said this, Stop Trump, 
up to $1,500 a week hiring immediately. That's $70,000 a year for being a professional protester. And a lot of the mobs that you see in America, what gains the news today, uh, perhaps if you do a little research, you'll see that they're busing these people in from different places, that there's not just the man on the street like you and I, uh, uh, but Planned Parenthood was sponsoring this Craigslist ad. They started before the election to try to influence the election, but they're continuing it after the election suggesting that they and other institutions in America, people of money, that want this violence to continue and the hatred to continue. But hatred is not just an election phenomena, if we can kind of expand it a bit. Uh, this year in Chicago, one of the great cities of America, there have been over 3,900 people, 3,900 people that have shot, been, been shot with the gun in 2016 as some of the strongest gun, law, gun control laws in America. Over 600 have died. Now think about this. We've been in a war in Afghanistan for 16 years. There's been American soldiers on the ground. In 16 years, 2,400 American soldiers have been killed in a war zone. 600 in less than a year in one of our major cities. There's hatred in our, in our cities. Uh, but it's not just somewhere else. Bullying in our schools. Uh, domestic violence. Words of rage. Words of anger. A fist. Uh, racial tension, it seems to be everywhere. Attacks on police. School rivalries. I went to my daughter's uh, uh, football team, uh, her school. We, we traveled to play an away game for the first uh, game in district. And we were a little late, and Linnell and I got there. And uh, uh, they told us, you can't enter this side. You've got to get in your car and go around. I said, why? Why can't I just walk across? She said, be because sometimes school rivalries get violent. So we don't let you park on the same side. Can I tell you, this is all, it's hatred. It's in America today. But the Bible says we can overcome hatred. Yeah. Some of you, sadly, may know hatred around across the table at Thanksgiving. Something might have happened years ago, and it's carried from your childhood up to your present day. There may be a, a, an occasion where, you know, you've got kids, yours, mine, and ours, and, or there's been a divorce. How many know there's a feeling inside us, justified or not, but when it lashes out, it has the power to destroy. But the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, say this with me, we can overcome evil with good. Say it again. We can overcome evil with good. All that I've talked about and shown you thus far has been about evil, but we can overcome this evil by acts of kindness. This is not just a message to kind of stir you a little bit, but it's a message to provoke you and to be an instrument of God's kindness in a troubled world. Kindness can heal the hatred in the heart of a stranger, a family member, or a friend. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. Let's explore this now. We're going to look at two stories, two passages in the Scripture this morning. First, Acts 28. Kindness is a universal language. Kindness is a language everybody understands. Gang members understand kindness. Uh, elderly people in a nursing home understand kindness. People that work together in an office understand kindness. But on the flip side, we also understand hatred. And tragically, we live in a world today that has a worldview. If you bring a knife, I bring a gun. We, we live in a nation that has a worldview. If you hurt me, I hurt you back. There's something different. And I'm not saying a Christian can't defend themselves. We have to be a doormat. I'm not saying we, we don't have the right to stand up for our opinions. But I am saying there's something about the power of kindness 
to diffuse hatred in the heart of another human being. Let's see this illustrated. Uh, Acts 28. Now, the story, Paul the Apostle is, is the key figure in the latter part of Acts. He's been preaching in Jerusalem. They arrested him. He made an appeal to go before Caesar in Rome. So now he's on a ship. He's been sailing for a number of weeks. He's on a ship sailing from across the Mediterranean from Jerusalem all the way to Rome. There's been a terrible storm, and the ship is about to sink and be destroyed. Now, the ship is going under 276 people. Paul is there. Roman soldiers are there to guard him. There's likely business people. There's travelers. Uh, they all swam ashore from the ship, and they come up in land. And here's where our story begins. Acts 28, verse 1, after we were brought safely through, in other words, we got out of the, the water, safe from the storm, we learned that the island was called Malta. And the native people there, or perhaps your translation says the barbarians or the natives, they showed us unusual kindness. The New Century Version says they were very good to us. The Message Bible says the natives went out of their way to be friendly to us. And if you only take one thing from this message away, you might take this passage. I want to be the kind of person that shows unusual kindness, someone that's very good to people and goes out of their way to be friendly. They kindled a fire. They welcomed us because it had begun to rain and was cold. Now, this island Malta, if you can imagine Italy, the island below that, Sicily, about 60 miles from there is this Isle of Malta. These natives, islander, barbarians, it was a Greek term for non-Greek-speaking people. It doesn't mean they were savages. It doesn't mean they were barefoot natives. It simply means they weren't Greek. But here's what I want you to see, and I want to suggest as a parallel to what could have happened there and what is happening in America today. The people on that island were more than likely different from the people on the ship. A lot of hatred today in America is based on the fact that we're just different. Our skin color is different. Our backgrounds are different. Uh, you drive a car and I have to walk. Uh, whatever the case may be. Uh, they were different. They spoke a different language. There was uh, perhaps a sense of superiority. They had different values, a different view of society. That's kind of like what America is today. The islanders could just as easily, though, have acted with hate instead of kindness. They could have, because of the race of the individual. It's tragic today that in America, racial hatred has, has, has grown around us. It's tragic, but isn't it a glory that we can come and worship the Lord Jesus today? Whether our skin is light or whether our skin is dark, how many know our Savior's blood ran red for all of us? And there's something about Christianity that is foreign to this concept of hatred. But, but they, could have, they could have hated them on the Isle of Malta simply because many were of a different race. We've all seen it. We've all felt the sting of racism. We felt discrimination. Many of us have felt reverse discrimination. They could have hated them because they spoke a different language. They could have belittled them. Perhaps you speak English well and there's an immigrant comes from South America and they don't speak English at all. It's very easy to make fun of people, to pick on people. They could have hated them because they despised the Roman authority and they simply saw the badge. They saw the Romans that were there and hatred could have arisen in their heart. You see, Romans have done what America's never done. Romans built an empire. And they would build an empire by taking over foreign peoples, planting their flag. And this Isle of Malta had a Roman, a Roman governor on it. They could have hated Rome. Uh, they could have been jealous of the travelers who had more than they did. 
How many know when you got off that ship, whether you were, when you were swimming and in the water, how many know you can either be swimming in nice clothes or you can be swimming in rags? I mean, you could tell economic differences, but instead of hatred, they showed kindness. And I want to suggest to you, I want to challenge you as best I can today, that you and I put this message into practice here in America. Uh, kindness, by definition, is simply being willing to help other people. It is acting in a way that makes others happy by doing what they want or by meeting their needs. Kindness is, is, the, is the demonstration of love. I go to see my mom, and my mom uh, lives by herself. She doesn't cook a whole lot. But when I come, she knows I love loaded hash browns. And she knows I like jalapenos. And, 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 and she just, I mean, she's got this feast prepared there. Well, she loves me, but nobody makes her do that. Are you with me today? She's not under contract or obligation to show this kindness. But how many know we, when, we, when we love someone, we're kind to them? Now, we're going to keep going with this. Kindness, uh, kindness is, 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 is the act that can heal America. We use words like being charitable, uh, humanitarian efforts, or philanthropic. The Bible simply calls it kindness. And kindness is the language the deaf can hear. Kindness is the language the blind can see. How many know whether you're in a prison being served food or whether you're in a, a hospital being given care or whether you're at a street corner waiting for cars to pass you by or waiting to turn on a road? How many know you can feel whether the person has hatred or kindness? You can feel whether they're selfish or unselfish. You can feel whether they're belittling me and pushing me down or they're or treating me with respect. You see, common courtesy is based on kindness. How many know when we say please or thank you? How many know you may not have to say please, but if people that you work with, and you may be the boss, but how many know if you say please, it gives another person dignity and respect? How many know someone may be obligated to do something for you? You may be working on a lot, and, and you know, it's, it's, I don't know what, you need the forklift, and you're sitting there waiting, and when they give you the key, how hard is it to say thank you? See, common courtesy can can, can, can tear down the walls that have divided us. Uh, how many know uh, kindness can be as simple as letting people in traffic? Think Richmond Road. Let me just encourage you. Avoid Richmond Road as much as possible. Don't, if you mean you take the access road by Cracker Barrel and you turn right on Richmond Road, don't try to turn left in Chick-fil-A. Don't, don't do it. Don't go up to the light unless you want to get upset at people. I mean, listen, they've got to stop already at I-30. You know that. And they're coming down and you're just waiting and you're thinking, well, they're going to let me in. And they just drive right up front. Come on now. And you just want to wave at them. Don't just wave with one finger. Use all the fingers on your hand. How, how hard is it to be kind? But here's the deal. We want people to let us in. Do I let people in? It, it, it's kindness. Tell your neighbor we should have gone to another church this morning. How about when you let somebody in? I mean, you know, you've done your good deed for the day, and they don't even bother to say thank you. Come on, does that bother you? How hard is it? Wouldn't it change our little city here if people just started practicing kindness? Wouldn't it change our little city, just our home, our neighborhood, our community? 
The Thanksgiving table, if we just started saying please and thank you rather than just expecting, you know, whatever mom does or whoever. But, but kindness, friends, kindness lets people in line without giving them the stare. You know what I'm talking about today. Kindness is a Christian virtue, and kindness can affect the nation that we live in today. Kindness is love in action. I would suggest to you, is my best guess, is these paid riders are going to stop pretty soon. Uh, the Electoral College will go through and all things will settle in place, but the hatred will still be an undercurrent in America. How many know that? Hatred is still among us. Let me give you another uh, story. It's probably the, the, the best-known uh, parable or teaching in the, all of the Bible, uh, Christians and, and non-Christians. It's called the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. This is kindness, love in action. In Luke chapter 10 now the story is Jesus is, is being quizzed by some Pharisees or Jewish leaders. And these people were kind of there to put their finger on Christ. They were not there to learn from him. They were there to, to test him. Well, that's what the Bible said. It, it, it was an expert in the law, or some translations might call it a legal expert in the law. He stood up to test Jesus, and he asked him what I suggest to you is the most important question in life. He said, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to live after I die? My wife, if you want to add somebody to your prayer list, her, her mom recently, uh, getting a little older, broke her hip, and she went to be with mom. The same time she's back, her, her uncle had, had, had colon surgery, and uh, he, he had cancer in his colon, and it's metastasized to his liver. And unless God does a miracle, he's going to die. Well, can I tell you this? Even if God does do a miracle, or the doctors do what's miraculous, he's still going to die. And the question of eternal life is the question that the agnostic and atheist ignores. It's the question that many people want to not think about. It's the question we want to change the subject on because every one of us are human beings, frail human beings, knowing and hoping that maybe something is beyond this life. The Bible teaches it is something that's very real. It is to the, the possibility exists that we could all live in a very real place called heaven and spend eternity with a good and a loving God. Or we could reject him for eternity and pay the consequences. So, teacher, what do I do for eternal life? And Jesus referred to the Scripture. This is what's been lost in America today. In America, there's no longer such thing as absolute truth. But the Bible teaches of itself. I've chosen to believe. Billions of people believe the Bible is indeed absolute truth. Not just contains truth, but is truth itself. He says, what does your law, the law of Moses, say? And the man answered two things. First, he quoted Deuteronomy 6. You must love the Lord your God. Mind you, now we're talking about eternal life. With all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and all your mind, devout Jews would repeat this twice each day of the love that they desired to have towards God. But then he quoted Leviticus 19, and he said the second is, Love your neighbor as yourself. And this is where kindness comes into play. I love people because God first loved me. And kindness is not, I'm not just kind to you because of it makes me feel good. I'm not kindness, kind to you because you deserve it. I'm kind because I've just chosen I'm going to be a kind person. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit shape me and mold me into someone who come on, who's kind, that says please, that says thank you, that opens the door, that lets people in line, that helps strangers, come on now, that helps people if they're shipwrecked on the Isle of Malta. I want to be someone that exudes kindness. 
The man, though, Jesus said this was the right. This is, this is the path to eternal life. But he wanted to justify his actions, so he said, who is my neighbor? An interesting question. For the Jews, they had what was called the Jewish Midrash. It was written by rabbis. It was a commentary on the Scripture. And they would explain the Scripture. For example, when, on the Sabbath day, you weren't supposed to work. Well, what, is, what entails work? Uh, if you've seen modern-day Jew, Jewish people, they typically live in a neighborhood around their synagogue. They walk to, to, to a, a synagogue on Sabbath day. They don't work. There, there, there was a, a body of teaching that said what I did. Uh, uh, but there was also a body of teaching that said who your neighbor was and how Jews were to treat Jews and how Jews would te- treat non-Jews, and in particularly Samaritans. So that's kind of where this is. Now, he's talking about eternal life, and the way to eternal life in Old and New Testament is the same. It's by grace through faith that works itself out in love. Love to God and love to man. Galatians 5, 6 tells us this. In Christ Jesus, the only thing that counts is, say it with me, faith expressing itself through love. My relationship with God, faith in Him, I love Him, and I love people. Now, let's go on with the story. Verse 30, Jesus replied to his question about eternal life, and specifically, who's my neighbor, with a story. A man, an unnamed man, was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he's attacked by bandits. Now, Jerusalem to Jericho is about 17 miles. It's like from Texarkana to Maud. It was a drop in altitude of about 3,000 feet, so it was downhills. It was, it was very rocky. It was, it was tough terrain, and it was a dangerous road to travel. This man traveling by himself, he's attacked by bandits. They strip him of his clothes, beat him up, and leaves him half dead beside the road. It's not a hard picture to have in our mind today. If you've ever been hurt or wounded or uh, whether someone hurt you with words or they laughed at you and said you couldn't be on the ball team and you're kind of in the corner, you're walking, or tears are in your eyes. If if you ran off the road and nobody knew you were there, but you're all alone and you're hurting, the bottom line. And in this case, it could be life and death. Well, verse 31, by chance a priest came along. Now, a priest was a specific descendant from Aaron, the Aaronic priesthood. And he was involved in the sacrifices in the Jewish temple, maintaining the temple. He was like a, a, he was like a religious professional. Uh, the priest saw the man lying there. Notice what he did. He went to the other side of the road and he passed by him. No excuse given. A temple assistant, this was a Levite. He assisted the priest. He walks over. He looks at him. But then he passes by. Now, we don't know why they, did, they passed by. Some would suggest that there was a Jewish law that said you would be unclean if you touched a dead person. Well, that's true, but they were going away from the temple, not towards it. That's probably not it. They could have been afraid. Uh, they could have figured the same robbers that you know, whacked him on the head could whack me on the head. M- maybe they just didn't care. M- maybe they were just indifferent. Maybe they didn't want to bother themselves. Because, I mean, helping people sometimes is dirty. Helping people sometimes is costly. Helping people sometimes, it's it's hard to do. You would think a religious leader would be an example in loving people, but they weren't. And this is the main point of this passage. Christians should lead the way in showing kindness to people. Let me say it again. You and I as Christians can and should take the lead in bringing the kindness and the love of God to a world that's filled with hatred. I don't care who's in the White House. He or she cannot give us an edict that says, I have to love somebody. 
Listen, the government can force us to integrate our schools, but they cannot force us to get along with each other. The government can force us to, whatever, whatever the case is in terms of racial issues, we can have affirmative action and all that, but we can still harbor hatred in our hearts because this is an issue of the heart, not something that can be forced from the outside. Christians should lead the way. Now, verse 33, mind you, he's talking to a, this, this religious expert, and he says, a despised Samaritan came along. Now, Samaritans were hated by Jews. They were Jewish half-breeds. Racial purity was very important to them. They were the covenant people of old. And if you remember when they were sent into exile, you remember that some of the Jews were left behind when the rest were taken to Babylon. They were left behind to tend the land. They intermarried with pagans, and that's just what you did in those ancient cultures when you wanted to come and take over a land. But they still held on to the worship of their God but mixed it with idols. And hence the Jews, uh, the Jews said, hey, look, you're not, you're not one of us any longer. Uh, to call someone a Samaritan was like using the N-word today. I mean, it, it, it's, it's just, you know, it's not a pleasant compliment. You know, uh, call me a cracker or whatever the case is. Whatever, whatever slang, derogatory it is. I've never really understood what a cracker is or what it is, but, but, but anyway, you know what I'm talking about. A despised Samaritan, and Jesus is about to make, make this man the hero. When he saw the man, what did he feel? Compassion. And compassion would provoke him to act with kindness. The Samaritan soothed his wounds. He used wine to clean the wound. He used oil to, in some way for healing. He bandaged him up, and then he paid a price. He put him on his own donkey, which means he probably walked. He took him to the Holiday Inn. That's what it says, the inn. The next day, it's a joke, okay? Just <laughs> The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, and he told him, take care of the man, and if his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you next time I'm here. Come on, everybody say, wow. Now, let me ask you a question. If that was you on the side of the road, if you were the one that was hurt and beaten, what would you want somebody to do for you? That's exactly right. And that's what Jesus called the golden rule. Whatsoever you want men to do to you, come on, do also to them. So kindness has a way of being reciprocal in our life. This, listen, this Samaritan was hated, but Jesus chose an outsider, a hated one, to be the hero to teach us that being a neighbor is not a matter of my nationality or my race. If the second great commandment is love my neighbor, Jesus just, just shot all the isms aside. Samaritan took pity on a human being just like Jesus did. And when we show kindness, we're imitating Jesus. Come on now. And let me close with verse 36 and head towards the end here. Jesus asked the question, which one of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Which was a neighbor? And Jesus asked, and the man replied, well, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus said, I want you to go and do the same. What a great passage for you and I to walk out of church with tonight, this morning. Jesus wants me to be a carrier of this virus called kindness in a world that's filled with hatred. Jesus said that I'm to be kind and love people without regard to their race, their nationality, their religion, their sexual orientation, their economic or educational status. I may disagree with, with someone who has crossed the borders illegally. I may, I, and I, I believe it's a rightful thing to believe in lawful immigration. Yeah. 
But I can still love an illegal immigrant. Come on. I can still help them, but then I can help them get on a pathway, come on, to citizenship and doing things right rather than living in a lawless land. I, I may not agree with the teaching of the world today on sexual orientation and all the boundaries are gone and, and traditional marriage is out. I, I take a biblical pattern, but that doesn't mean that I hate people, come on, that believe on the other side of the issue. You see, kindness has a way of causing barriers to drop. And this idea is not just a New Testament idea. The prophet Micah in the Old Testament asked this profound question. He said, God has told you what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? What a profound question. What is good and what does God require? Here's what he said. The first thing was the Lord requires you to do justice. And what was the second? Two. Love kindness. The second great commandment in the New Testament, love your neighbor as yourself. The Old Testament, God's second requirement, be kind to people. Kindness is not a feeling, it's an action. And thirdly, walk humbly with God. You see, Christianity is more than religious tradition and rules. It is loving people by being kind to them. How many know? And that's something all of us can do. Give the Lord a, a good hand today. I'm going to close with a scripture and, and a video and, and prayer. But God can use kindness to change a heart that's filled with hatred. And listen to 2 Timothy chapter 2, the words of Paul the Apostle to his son Timothy. He said, A servant of the Lord must not quarrel but be kind to people who are kind to him. Kind to people who are just like him. Kind to other Christians. He must be kind to everyone and be patient with difficult people. Don't you wish you had some scissors sometimes and you could just selectively cut things out of the Bible? Come on now. That's one that I would... I don't want to be patient with difficult people. But wasn't patience a fruit of the Holy Spirit? Verse 25. Here's what your kindness can do. Perhaps God will change their hearts. When I'm kind, now the context here specifically is salvation, but when I'm kind, it opens the door for God to change a human heart. Verse 26 says, they'll come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap. Haters hate because the devil is influencing them. Come on now. But when I choose to adorn myself with Christ... And love the unlovely. Come on, to love people that are different from me. To love people that have been hostile to me. To love my enemies, to turn the other cheek. When I choose to respond with Christian kindness, I tell you, friends, it can open their heart to the love of a Savior. And how many know that's what it's all about? Give the Lord a big hand today. He's worthy of our praise. I'm going to share a little video. It's a true story, and I think, uh, I think it'll inspire you today. And I know you guys get tired of me. It's little things. Coach Peter Morales of the Coronado High School Thunderbirds in El Paso, Texas, makes no qualms about it. He has a favorite on this team. Mitchell, I need you. I need you to help me out with my coaching tits, Mitchell. Team manager Mitchell Marcus has a developmental disability. One, two, three, four. And he far surpasses everyone here when it comes to love of the game. He's this amazing person that our basketball team loves being around. Yay! Mitchell's mom, Amy, says he's always been that way. Mitchell always had a basketball. That was always what he wanted for his birthday. And because basketball is that important to him, on the last game of the regular season, the coach told Mitchell to suit up. 
What was it like to put on the uniform? I was very happy. I imagine you were. Just wearing a jersey was enough for Mitchell. But what he didn't know, what no one knew at the time, was that the coach planned to play him. At the end, no matter what the score. You were prepared to lose that game. For his moment, yes. For his moment in time, yes. And so with a minute and a half left, Coronado leading, but only by 10, Coach Morales put in his manager. And just started hearing Mitchell, Mitchell. But here's where the fairy tale fell apart. Although his teammates did everything they could to get Mitchell a basket, each time they passed him the ball, he either missed the shot or, like on their last possession, booted it out of bounds, turning the ball over to the other team with just seconds left. He wasn't going to be able to score. But I was hoping that he was happy that he was just put in the game. Could you have ever imagined what happened next? No, I did. I could not. Not at all. What happened next happened on the inbound. The guy with the ball there is a senior at Franklin High School, number 22, Jonathan Montanez. Uh, I just I was raised to treat others how you want to be treated. Just thought Mitchell deserved his chance, deserved his opportunity. I think I'll cry about it for the rest of my life. What Jonathan did was yell out Mitchell's name, then threw the ball right to it, right there. One of the most memorable turnovers of all time. It wasn't the game-winning shot. When the buzzer sounded, Coronado had 15 more points than Franklin. But Jonathan's assist and Mitchell's basket did change the outcome decidedly. Play any game with this much sportsmanship. Both teams win. Steve Hartman. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? You know, I would imagine that week that there were probably thousands of basketball games played across America. Thousands. But nobody other than the parents and the coaches and moms and dads remember anything about it. But one of them affected people's lives for the rest of their life. And it all started because someone was kind. So you don't have to have $100,000 to be kind. You don't have to be a preacher to be kind. I mean, no coaches can be kind. I mean, no teammates. It, 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 we're raised in a world to win. We're raised in a world to stomp our enemies. We're raised in a world that, you know, we've played most people before. They beat us, so we're really going to do it to them. But instead, we toss the ball to a young man. And then there's another young man on the opposite team. has been trained for years to do everything to win and play hard and you could get a scholarship and all these things. But he said there was something more important than that. I was taught to treat people the way that I'd want to be treated. And if I was a little boy with a developmental disability and I had a chance to make a memory for his life, I think I'll throw him the ball. Kindness has the power to soften a heart. Kindness has the power to change people like a regulation from Washington can never do. Kindness is what the Holy Spirit is able to do for us. Could we just all bow our heads a moment and just ask the Lord to help us be people of kindness? Why don't you just put your hand on your heart as just a symbolic way of saying, Lord, deep in, inside me, I, I want to be kind. I want to ask you to forgive me, Lord, if I'm selfish or stingy or... You know, 
to God with the fist shaking or I want to ask you to forgive me. I don't want to be on that side. I want to be on the side of kindness. I want to be willing to slow down and let somebody else win. I want to be willing to let somebody else in line. I want to respect people's humanity to tell them thank you and please. I want to be someone, Lord, that can be used to still the racial hostility in my nation by starting in my neighborhood, by starting in the stores and streets of Texarkana, USA, by starting in my school, my basketball team. I want to be a person of kindness. Welcome, Holy Spirit, today. Nobody looking around, but I wonder if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I, I, I've been thinking a little during this message that I have some hatred in my heart. Some of it's there because what someone did to me. Some of it's there because I was just raised that way. But I want to ask God to forgive me, and I, I want to ask God to help turn my hatred into love. Nobody looking around, but if that's you, I just want you to slip up your hand right now. I want to pray for you. That's right. All over. That's right. God, I want you to just wash the hatred out of me. Come on, just reach out to heaven. Holy Spirit, wash the hatred out of me. It could be hatred towards a, an ex-spouse. It could be hatred towards an ex-employer. It could be hatred towards a stranger. I could have been raised in hatred. I could have been raised with a, whatever racial slur. But God, I want you to wash that out of my heart. And I want you to give me a love for all people. I've already told you today that I want to love you more, but now I want to ask you to help me love my neighbor more. You're the potter and I'm like a piece of clay. And I just want you to shape me into the person you want me to be. We want to take away from Satan the foothold he's got in our life. And we want to see Christ glorified. Here in our church, in our city, our region, in the United States of America. Let's close like this. They're going to have one last song. And as they're singing that song, we'd like to make opportunity to pray for you before you go. So please hang with me just a second. See, here's something I know. Every time the Bible is open and the Word of God's preached, it's not dependent on the preacher, but it's dependent on the power of God's Word and the Holy Spirit taking something that kind of, I have people say it this way, it just hit me right between the eyes. Well, that could have been God. Uh, people say sometimes, boy, you're just stepping all over my toes today. That could have been the Holy Spirit. And I wonder if there's something maybe that you need to kind of turn over to God, pray about, settle, close in account, or whatever it may be. But we'd like to make a chance to pray for you, and some will spend whatever time you need. They've been praying for you this week. But the most important prayer we'd like to pray today is if you're here today and say, Pastor, my relationship with God's not where it needs to be. When you were talking about eternal life, I don't know if I'd die today if I'd go to heaven or hell. But I know in this church building today, I, I, I felt the presence of God. I, I, I know that God loves me, and I believe it's time for me to start loving and following God. Can I tell you, friend, becoming a Christian is, is not about going to church. Now, church is a good thing. It's going to help you on your journey. But going to church doesn't make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is when you begin to believe in Jesus and follow Him. You know, I hope there's going to be a lot of presents under your Christmas tree. But wouldn't it be a shame if there was a present someone very special had bought you that you really, really wanted and you never opened it? And it just sat there year after year, year after year, all wrapped up and pretty. Well, that's what God's gift of salvation is like. 
It's like a present that we have to reach out and receive. We've got to open it. God doesn't, you know, visit us in the middle of our dreams or our night and we're Shazam, a Christian. We come to a spiritual crossroads in life where just like Adam and Eve chose to walk away from God, we choose to walk towards Him. And maybe you feel like right now you're the only person in the building and God's talking to you. Friend, it could be because He is and He's just using me. And if you're here today and say, Pastor, I'd like to get my life right with God today. I want someone to pray for me. I'm going to invite you as we begin to sing to just make your way out of the chair and come right over the cross. And someone would like to pray for you as you make the greatest decision of your life to become a follower of Christ. Prayer team, you're coming now. They're going to go ahead and begin to sing. And as they're singing, if you need prayer, just slip out of your chair. Most importantly, if you feel Christ drawing you to commit your life to Him, come let us pray for you. God bless you, and I love you very much. The hopeless have found me. The orphans now have a home. All oh, that was lost. 